Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? This week's episode is a little different from what we normally do. I recently met with Morley Robbins on a Zoom call for him to go over my lab results, which included specific markers that he finds helpful for determining root cause issues and specifically focuses on the interplay between magnesium, iron, copper, vitamin A, vitamin D, and a few others. If you recall from the podcast I did with him a few weeks ago, he is the author of Cure Your Fatigue, which is a book that is required reading for all of our students in the School of Christian Health and Nutrition because of the cutting edge information that you're not hearing in mainstream medical circles. I say cutting edge, but as he points out, a lot of this is old research that has been ignored, swept under the rug, and generally doesn't fall in line with the mainstream narrative. And so we don't hear about it. Now, as I told him during our meeting, and as you'll hear, it's been a while since I've had labs done or had anyone look at my labs because I usually just read my own. And I told him I was feeling a little exposed doing this on air, but my intention was always to share them with you and let you listen into our conversation so that you can get the benefit of this information. So basically, you are being a fly on the wall during my lab results consultation. I think you'll find it very interesting that my magnesium is low, even though I take magnesium every day uh, and I take the one that Morley likes. So there's that. My vitamin A is low. My vitamin D is what I would consider on point with a score of 40, but he thought it was a little high, which will shock a lot of people. Uh, My iron is high, which is partially because of the other markers that are off. So I think you'll, like I said, find it interesting The conversation gets a little technical at times, but I do think you'll get some good info. You'll hear what recommendations, uh, his recommendations are for me, and you'll get some practical takeaways. Now, if you are in the Christian Health Club and you're interested in having these specific markers tested, I can order that for you. Several of these are not on your standard panel, nor are they even on the more extensive panel that I normally order for people. So I put together a special panel that I can order these specific labs uh, that he likes for members of the club if you want to see how you measure up. All right, here is my call with Morley. So let's just, let's dive in. I'm sure you have a way that you like to kind of go through it. So 
I'm just going to let you lead here. Okay. Let me ask you a quick question. Sure. Are you still cycling? You still have a menstrual? Yes. Okay. yes. No change in status there? Well, I, mm, I've been pretty regular. I'm obviously I am in perimenopause, but for the most part, I've been, I've been regular now. Maybe, you know, my, they're a little bit shorter. I might be 36 days long as opposed to 24 day cycle. That's a little, been a little bit different, but I am cycling every month. You are stuck. Okay. Yes. Because you should be going strong until your late fifties. Okay. Women have been brainwashed to thinking that they should stop their cycle in their forties and they celebrate it because, Oh, I don't have to deal with the mess anymore. When in fact the mess is building inside your body mm. and no one's talking about that. <clears throat> you, you're, there's two reasons why women outlive men. Your Tesla coil has more energy than my Tesla coil. Your brain has more energy than mine does. And you donate blood every month for 40 years. At least 40 years. Mm -hmm. And you're dumping iron, but no one's ever told you that. And the reason why women go into all sorts of conditions after they go into menopause is because they're no longer dumping iron and the iron is building in the tissue and it becomes this corrosive agent and no one's telling them that. That's an interesting angle that you're right. Nobody speaks of that. And the guy who figured this out, his name was Jerome L. Sullivan. He was an MD, PhD at the University of Florida Medical Center in Gainesville. And to use an, a sports analogy that you may or may not relate to, <clears throat> it would be like Yogi Berra, famous Yankee catcher, walking into Yankee Stadium for his first at uh, first pitch at bat, and he strikes a home run. And then the second time at bat, another home run. Well, that's Jerry Sullivan publishing his findings in 1982 in Lancet Journal. That's the Yankee Stadium of publications. And it's like, boom, his, his research should have rocked the very foundation of allopathic medicine. But what did they do? They took that research and they put it with the Ark of the Covenant in the <laughs> warehouse of the Indiana Jones movie. Uh, why so, do they do that? Why do, why do they do that? It's just, we live on a very crazy planet. Awesome. All right. So, okay. So you are still cycling. That's good news. And the length, length of time is getting longer and that's not unusual, but that's a sign that the clocks are losing their energy and all clocks in the body, just like the clocks in your home, all require a battery. And the battery in your clocks is just like the batteries in your home. <clears throat> it's copper. And so as you don't have enough copper, the clocks start to get wobbling. I wish it were more complicated than that, but it's not. So I've got about a dozen markers that we'll talk about and, and I'll walk through and I'll be very sensitive, as you noted, to the audience, what they might know, what they may not know, 
if you think we need to clarify anything, take just raise the flag. Okay. Make sure that we, we cover it. Uh, the first marker that I look at is magnesium in the red blood cell. And it's a marker for stress. How much stress is this person under? And when I say the word stress, you think, oh, emotional stress or just, you know, what I'm having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And that's that's valid. But the stress that I'm worried about is iron stress. Iron causes oxidative stress. That's Oxidative stress is a fancy way of saying rust. And being on a farm, you know that rust is no friend to the farmer. And so rust is not a friend to our bodies either. And iron stress is the greatest stressor on planet Earth. Iron is the number one element on planet Earth at 36%. Nobody talks about that. And iron and oxygen love to play together. They have a magnetic attraction for each other. And what is rust? Ferrous oxide. Ferric oxide. Iron and oxygen become rust. And there's only one element on planet Earth that can regulate both iron and oxygen at the exact same time, and that's called copper. So when your magnesium is low, the, the range that I look for is five to seven, and you're you're weighing in at 4.8, <clears throat> your instinct is, but I'm close. No, I look for people to be in the mid sixes, 6.5. So you're two full clicks away from where you are. <clears throat> and what it tells me is you're a stress cadet, like everybody else on the planet, and the, your magnesium burn rate in your body is significant, and it tells me that you've got too much iron. Okay, let me ask you a question. So when we talk about um, that inner stressor, can this be contributed to by our, our everyday life stressors as well? Bernie? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. The, absolutely. The, the world's authority on stress was a, a physician named um, Mildred Selig. She was an MD with a master's in public health. She started out as a drug researcher and all of the drugs that she was studying caused magnesium loss. So she decided to quit Big Pharma and spend 50 years educating the public and their physicians about magnesium loss caused by stress. But she categorized four different classes of stress. Physical stress, you were in an accident, you fell down a flight of stairs, whatever. Environmental stress, you know, they're spraying goofy things in the air, I'm, I'm around farming chemicals, what, whatever. <clears throat> There's uh, metabolic stress. My body is not able to make energy properly for a variety of factors. But, but as soon as you're not making energy, you're making exhaust. And that exhaust is oxidants, accidents with oxygen that create oxidative stress in the tissue. And then the fourth category is called uh, emotional stress. You're in relationship. 
You have children. You have neighbors. You have loved ones. You, you're in constant relationship, and that causes emotional stress. Good, good, bad, and indifferent. And even good stress is still stress. You know, you just won a million dollars. You think you'd be excited, right? As soon as you win a million dollars, it's going to trigger a whole response of stress that you've never even thought about. So yes, those are I, four broad categories of stress. Okay. Just just wondering, yeah, I've had probably the last two years have been probably the most stressful of my life. Emotional <laughs> stress. You know, I have teenagers morally and just no, I get it. <laughs> teenagers got, aging parents you know it's just that that yeah, time of caught, life. and you're caught in the middle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i was wondering about that because and the other thing is you know magnesium is probably the supplement that i take the most regularly i know we'll talk about all this but that so that's interesting you know it's the one that i am most dedicated to every single night period the oh, end. and the and the, and that's wonderful that you do that but you can drink a bucket full of magnesium and not correct the copper dysregulation that's causing the iron dysfunction. Yes. You'll never get to it. I want everybody to hear. That's, a, that's what it, you know. So we can take this magnesium, but if we're not fixing this backup system, it's just going to be, it's going right. to increase that magnesium burn rate. We're just going to be ripping through it. Magnesium, correcting a magnesium deficiency will correct symptoms. You know, twitching eye, restless leg, cramps in the feet, whatever. And that's that's notable. That's important. But until you correct the copper iron dysregulation, you're not going to solve the underlying problem of oxidative stress that's burning up the magnesium. Okay. That if if I had a if I had a medical school, that would be the first year would be studying that dynamic alone. But I don't, so I, I don't <laughs> share it otherwise. But but that's that's an important so we know we know that, that Chelsea's under stress, as everyone else is. And we're all dealing with this. I have clients that are low threes. I have clients that are in the low sevens. But when it gets on the other side of seven, that's stress playing out in the kidney. It's a different dynamic, but it's still stress. It can get too high. So the sweet spot is five to seven. That's that's what you want to look for. Okay. And you like about a 6.5. I'm at 4.8. So I'm two clicks below. That's all right. And most people and, and what I what I wrestled with for years was I would have people take more magnesium and the and the number wouldn't budge. But when I started to address the copper iron dynamic, that's when the magnesium started to come back. It you know, it's no one's thinking about the interconnectedness and interrelationships between these minerals. So then we have three containers for looking at iron in the blood. <clears throat> we have hemoglobin, we have ferritin, and we have serum iron. Hemoglobin is 70% of the iron in the body. It's an enormous bucket. I call it a bucket. It's a bucket of iron. And if you include myoglobin, which is found in the muscles, we're up to 80% of the iron in the body. And 80% and of the iron is a waiter carrying oxygen. And then taking it back 
uh, with copper uh, carbon dioxide on the, on the backward side. But so 70% is hemoglobin. And in a woman, you want to see the hemoglobin be around 13 to 13.5. And you're at 13.3. You're, you're absolutely where you're supposed to be. And that's good news. Then we have uh, serum ferritin. And that technically is, ferritin is about 10% of the iron in the body. And what will surprise you and your listeners is that ferritin is not supposed to show up in the blood. Turns out there's three different forms of ferritin. Something called ferritin heavy chain, ferritin light chain, and then secreted ferritin. The body is not supposed to be secreting ferritin into the blood. It's not, it's not my idea. <clears throat> We're talking about some of the greatest uh, hematologists, Dr. Orosio, uh, Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs in London, Douglas Kell. Uh, these are big, really big names, ones that you're, you're not familiar with and I didn't know about until a few years ago. But the point is, when the liver is under stress, and can't recycle iron properly in the mitochondria of the liver, well, then the, the organelles that are doing that recycling spit the ferritin into the bloodstream. And it's, a, it's called secreted ferritin. And it's missing amino acids, but it's still recognized as ferritin in a blood test. Now, technically, serum ferritin should be zero, but that's not believable in the, in the modern era. Um, and so I look for it to be around 20 to 30. And when, yeah. it's above, when it's above 20 to 30, I get nervous. And in a woman, when it gets above 150, alarm bells are going off. And when it gets above 300 in a man, of the, so those same alarm bells. Men can hold more iron because we have more testosterone. So iron is not your friend, even though you've been told your whole life you need more iron to have babies or do, what, do whatever. But your serum ferritin is six times higher than it should be. Yes, mine's 137. Okay. So when was the last time you did a blood donation? Oh, well, you just told me I've donated blood every month. <laughs> that right. is a donation. <laughs> right. And what I, that's a really good point. And what I recommend to, to the community is that postmenopausal women and men should donate blood quarterly, like clockwork. And women who are still cycling should do it at least twice a year. I have many cycling clients not riding a bike, but uh, many cycling clients who donate four times a year above their monthly menstrual cycle, and they feel great doing it. So I think you would be pleasantly surprised what a blood donation would do. You have plenty of hemoglobin. You're nice and strong there. 
you need to get your ferritin down into the 20s. Because okay. when ferritin is above that, it's creating oxidative stress in your tissue. Okay? Trust me, you look great on the outside, but you're rusting on the inside and you just don't see it. That's horrible. <laughs> well, but think of it this way. We've, we've heard of this word aging, right? We all know it. We're all eventually going to die, right? And, and I've got more wrinkles and less hair than you do because I'm older. I'm 71 now. And, and what no one's ever told us is that aging is a polite way of saying iron accumulation. So <clears throat> let's flip that around. Iron causes aging. Copper causes longevity. It's not rocket science. And, and what you can do, you can get out your calculator and multiply your age times 365. So you're what? You're 46? Nine. 49. Okay. 49 times 365. That's how many milligrams of iron theoretically you have in your aging body. And your physiology is designed for 4,000 milligrams. Whoa. So you have four times more iron in your body than your body can handle. Again, this is not my idea. This is the one thing that the iron biologists agree on is the iron accumulation every day we're on planet Earth. One milligram a day. So my number, when, when I multiplied my age, 49 times 365, it was 17,885. Right. And it you should be around 4,000. You want that to be around 4,000. Right. Okay. Don't, don't freak out. <laughs> you want to, you want to see a bigger number? Is, is okay. So three, six, 365. That's my number, 25,000. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that makes me feel better. But I mean, you're, you're multiplying that our age by the number of days, days in, the year. in the year. And we accumulate one milligram of iron a day. That's what the iron biologists agree on. Oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. Because it's in our diet. You know, unfortunately, the number is probably much higher than that because there's way more than one milligram of iron in our diet. If, if people knew how much iron they had in their daily diet, they'd, they'd probably feel very differently about what's going on. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And is that because it's mostly because there's so much fortification of iron? Absolutely. In okay. It's uh, foods being fortified. Supplements all have iron in it. Um, at the slightest indication of low iron in the blood, people are told to take more iron. And what people need to be careful of is don't confuse low iron in the blood with high iron stuck in the tissue because it can't be recycled. That's where the that's where they've got us. Is the iron gets stuck in the tissue, it can't get in the recycling program, and then we're told to take more iron. And then it just festers and feeds on itself. This is 
this is so fascinating. I'm already so I'm excited, even though I got some work to do. I'm so I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. This is so great. Okay. Yeah. And so then the, the third marker. So we've got a bucket of iron is hemoglobin. I call it a teacup of iron is ferritin. And then there's a thimble of iron. It's about one percent. One percent of iron in the body is in the serum. It's sometimes called total iron. Sometimes it's just called iron. Sometimes it's called serum iron. Why they, why the labs can't all agree on terminology, but they don't. But the serum iron in a healthy woman's body should be around 80, and you're at 131. Okay? So iron is building in your body, and just the physical blood donation will change your physiology. You, you lose 500 milliliters of, of blood. That's about 250 mil, milligrams of iron. And it's not life-threatening in any way, but it will send a shock to your system and it will reignite what the recycling program is all about. That's such an easy thing to do. And it's such a wonderful thing to do also. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because... When you donate a pint of blood, there's four people who benefit. Three people will benefit from your blood products. And you will get healthier and live longer. Nice. So four people benefit. All right. Then the next marker that I look for or look at is called TIBC or total iron binding capacity. It's the number of docking stations in the blood that can hold iron. It's a real, it's, it's an important marker. And it should be around 320 in a healthy adult. And you're at 236. So you're below what I would, would be looking for. But it doesn't surprise me because TIBC, TIBC is based on transferrin which is a transport protein that carries iron. And your transferrin is 20.2. It, it'll show 202 on your lab work, but I moved the decimal point over. And so it's 20.2, um, and it should be 30. And what stimulates the gene that makes the transferrin protein is retinol. And we're going to see in a little while that your retinol isn't as strong as it should be. So when transferrin is 35% low, it's going to cause TIBC to be low. And what we see is you have um, a slight elevation in your iron, 131, divided by 236 puts us at 56% saturation. So total iron or serum iron divided by TIBC gives us percent saturation. Ideally, you want that saturation to be around 20%. And the closer it is to 20%, the lower your chance of ever getting cancer. The closer it is to 60%, the greater your chance of getting cancer. Now, Chelsea, I'm not saying that you're going to get cancer, but I want to get your attention. 
You want to get on top of this iron dynamic because in a, a body that's getting older, it's only going to get rustier. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so then the next marker that I look for is called uric acid. And ideally, what uric acid represents is billowing black smoke coming out of the mitochondria. And we, nice. yeah, right. Well, we all drive cars and we all know that our cars emit exhaust, but we don't think about it until it starts to get a big plume of black smoke. And you don't have that. That's the good news. Your uric acid is 4.1. I like to see it at four. Come on, that's great. That's amazing. And so your mitochondria seem to be pretty happy. And that's that's the good news. That's very good news. Yes. Now, the next marker over that I look at is called zinc. And everyone has been taught, certainly in the last four years, since January of 2020, everyone's been taught that zinc is your best friend. And zinc is going to stop viral replication, blah, 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 blah. Zinc is not your friend because zinc is very hard on copper and zinc affects iron metabolism. Now, there's a curious thing that zinc in the blood will go low. Yours is at 61. It should be somewhere around 80 to 100. So it's in the, it's in the low 60s. And the mistake that a lot of practitioners make is when they see a low zinc, they'll tell their patients, you need to start taking zinc supplements, not knowing that that zinc is going to trigger the production of another protein called metallothionine. And metallothionine binds up copper a thousand times stronger than it binds up zinc. Now, I'm willing to bet that your husband is probably twice as strong as you, maybe three times as strong. You don't know anyone who's a thousand times stronger than you. You can't even fathom that that level of strength. But a thousand times stronger, basically what zinc does in a supplement bottle is it binds up copper and makes it bio-unavailable. And if I were Satan, I'd want everyone taking zinc supplements. Wow, that's a very strong statement. Well, I just want, I want people to kind of feel the jolt of that. Yeah, I think they will. Let me ask you this. What about the oral zinc test that people do where they'll take some of the liquid zinc and you hold it in your mouth? And then if you, depending on <clears throat> how quickly you taste it or don't taste it, that is some indication of whether or not you are um, zinc deficient. What is your well, I started out this work about 15 years ago. I, I thought that was a great test. I don't do that. I haven't done that for 10 years. So uh, I, I rely on a blood test. And, and let me explain why your zinc is low. So we know that your magnesium is low, right? And what I would theorize is that when, when copper is low in the diet, as it is in most Americans, most earthlings, but let's just stay with North America, when copper is low in the diet, iron is going to rise in the liver. 
No one's ever told you that. The research that documented that goes back to 1928, March at the University of Wisconsin and May at the University of Louisville in Kentucky. So a low copper diet breeds a high iron in the liver. Well, when iron is high in the liver, guess what it's going to burn up? Magnesium. That's going to cause an increased magnesium burn rate. And again, this is in the literature. It's not, not me just making up stuff. And so magnesium goes into the toilet, and the liver has hundreds of enzymes. Many of them require a mineral with a plus two valence. Well, magnesium has a plus two. Oh, and so does zinc. And so when the liver is struggling to make the enzymes work, it starts to grab zinc because magnesium has gone and the zinc will start to drop in the bloodstream because it's being used in the liver and the practitioners don't take the time to work through all the, the mechanisms of, of change. Does that make sense? It does. Wow. So then we get to your copper. Ideally, copper should be 100. You're at 93. That's really good. That's good. And your ceruloplasmin, so ceruloplasmin is the protein that relies on copper. There's eight copper atoms inside it, but ceruloplasmin expresses copper enzymes. And enzymes are engines that get work done. And ceruloplasmin is supposed to be 30. You're at 20.8. We're back to that 33, 34% differential. So the two most important proteins in the blood are ceruloplasmin and transferrin. And they're both supposed to be 30. And, and they're supposed to be in parity with each other. The good news is your markers are in parity. They're both in the low 20s, right? But they're 35% below ideal. So let me put that into context. Ideal body temperature is 98.6. When it goes up to 102, which is a 4% differential, 4% to go from 98.6 to 102, and that's called a fever. You know how bad you feel when you have a fever. That's right. a 4% differential. Your transferrin and ceruloplasmin are almost eight times the differential of a fever. 30% difference as opposed to 4% difference. Big, that's a big delta. Yeah, I feel like I should be like laid out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and again, it's, it's a subtle, subtle marker that most people don't know about. And I, I applaud your desire to dig deeper and find out what's really going on. And so what's really important is the ratio of copper to ceruloplasmin. Ideally, copper should be 100, ceruloplasmin should be 30, and when they are, the ratio is 3.33. You're at 93, 20.8, the ratio is 4.47. So you're thinking, well, I'm just a little bit above it. Well, we've got to think logarithmically. This is like a an earthquake. So an earthquake of 3.33 is very different than an earthquake of 
The 4.47 is 10 times bigger and better than the 3.33. So your, your number mathematically looks close. Logarithmically, it's big. And so you don't have, it's a way of indicating bioavailable copper that can be used to regulate the iron in the body. And so your copper is off, therefore your iron is off, therefore your magnesium is off, your zinc is off, and it all begins to tie together. Does that make sense? It does, yes. There's a, a serious cascade effect. And so when it's in when it's in the fours, I've got clients that are as high as in the sixes, but when it's in the fours, you know there's inflammation in the body. Now, here's something that I just learned the other day. I don't think we really spent much time talking about the spleen. Everybody's heard of the spleen, but they don't know what it does. Well, the spleen is the master quality control center in the body. And it's keeping track of blood, keeping track of lymph, and keeping track of pathogens. Those are three really important things to be responsible for. and. What the spleen is responsible for doing is regulating systemic inflammation. So when the marker is at 4.47, I think it's safe to say that the stress of your life is affecting your spleen, and then that's going to affect a whole host of things. And what's interesting is that our medieval ancestors were obsessed with the spleen back in the 14, 1500s. And they knew that if someone was under a lot of stress, it affected the spleen and it created a state called melancholy. Well, what does melancholy mean? Well, it means melon is short for melanin, black. Kali is it's short for cholesterol, but what they're really referring to was bile. And back at that era, you know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they had what were called four humors. And they and they focused on those four humors, one of them being what blood was one of them, bile, but black bile, black bile caused depression, the state of melancholy. And so You've, you've heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I was talking with a, a, a physician colleague earlier today, and she refers to PTSD, post-traumatic spleen disorder. So fascinating. This, the poor, underappreciated spleen. Absolutely. No one talks about the spleen. It's, it's called the hidden organ for a reason. And... And what she was sharing with me, what this physician was sharing with me is, she said, I don't ever remember focusing on the spleen at any point in my clinical career. When in fact, she's now realizing that it's the source of all the problems. And the part that I think your listeners will find fascinating is that the coronavirus that we've all been traumatized by is designed to be cleared where? in the spleen. Whoa. 
all the encapsulated bacteria that, that you know, E. coli, the pneumonia bacteria, the TB, tuberculosis, bacterium, whatever the formal name is, all of these conditions that, that plague society are designed to be cleared in the spleen. But if the spleen is overwhelmed by too much iron, it can't think. And that's where it all begins to make more sense about what happened if we've been overwhelmed with iron our entire lives. Wow. So the other thing that I look for is a, the relationship, again, between transferrin and ceruloplasma is supposed to be 30 to 30. It's supposed to be a one-to-one -one ratio. And you are at, you're very close. It's, it's 0.97. It's the, again, there is parity. It's just too low. But that's the key. Then I do a, a couple more ratios. I look at uh, the ratio of ceruloplasmin to uric acid. So think of ceruloplasmin as a supply line for copper. And if the copper is not right, the uric acid is going to rise. So we know that your uric acid is exactly where it's supposed to be. And your ceruloplasma is a little lower than it's supposed to be. And ideally, the ratio should be 30 divided by 4. Your numbers are 20.8 divided by 4.1. And so you're coming out at 5.07. And it should be 7.5. So all it is is just an indication that your copper metabolism isn't as strong as it needs to be. Okay. That makes sense? Yes. Yeah, that's a great, great tip. Great way to... And then we come to what I think is the most important marker. Save it for the last. This physician that I was talking with this morning, she went to a functional doctor. And I, and I teased her. I said, didn't you see the DYS before the functional? She said, no, I missed, I missed it completely. But of course, that doctor put her on vitamin D. And her vitamin D went up to 350. Whoa. One of the highest numbers I've ever heard. <clears throat> Your vitamin D is 40.7, which is not uncommon at all. And you think you're pretty buff and you're you're great. At 40.7, I'm like, the doctor thinks it's too low. It should be 80, but I'm I'm happy with 40. Well, I don't like to see it above 21. And I don't say that because I'm just like the number 21. I follow the research of Hopkins and Mohammed Amer, famous internist at Hopkins, did an all-cause mortality study back in 2013. And what he found was there's no benefit to having storage D above 21. What people don't know, what, what your practitioner doesn't know, is that supplemental D blocks the absorption of vitamin A. If people knew how important vitamin A was to healthy bioavailable copper, they wouldn't take it. But because people don't know what copper is, because people don't know what retinol is. They've been trained to be preoccupied with D. And as far as I'm concerned, 
The D stands for dysfunction. The C stands for disinformation, dysregulation. And the, the all of the knowledge that people have about vitamin D being faster than a speeding bullet, you know, more powerful than a locomotive, it's all research based on correlation, not causation. So do flies cause garbage? No, but they show up, right? Do firemen cause fires? No, but they're correlated with fires, aren't they? But they're not the cause of it. And vitamin D goes low when? When magnesium is low in the liver. Well, why is magnesium low in the liver? Because iron is high in the liver. Well, why is iron high in the liver? Because copper is not in the diet. Well, why is copper not in the diet? Because the commercial food system relies on glyphosate, which chelates copper. And then we have this house that Jack built, and everyone's D looks low, when in fact, it's a copper problem that started it. Wow. I, I think this is going to be one that is going to be hard for people to wrap their head around. The last podcast we did together, we kind of dropped this, this bomb right here about vitamin D, but I think that number will be shocking. You know, mine is at 40 and I know where I was like, I'm total, I'm comfortable with that. I think a lot of people would look at that number, you know, conventionally and think, oh, that's too low. My goodness. Of no, it's, I mean, I've been engaged in this battle for 14 years and I, I can, I've, I've endured many skirmishes, battles and wars over this. And I stand my ground. I, I go back to the research that I have that no one knows about. And the, the number that's mo most concerning to me is not your 40.7 for your vitamin D. It's your 27.4 for your vitamin A. That number should be 65. I, I'm surprised by that. Right. In your book, you say that your vitamin A should be three times higher than your vitamin D. Right. And when you're, when your vitamin D is at a reasonable level where it should be. Exactly. And so the ratio, like you said, should be vitamin A three to one vitamin D. There should be three times more vitamin A than D. And you are, you are the inverse of that. You're at 0.67 not 3.0, you're 0.67. And that I think is, if you're looking for what's the one thing I need to focus on, you, you got to do a blood donation and you got to introduce cod liver oil would be probably the go-to nutrient. And it's not just any cod liver oil. Don't run down to GNC and get whatever they've got on sale. There are only a couple that we really recommend within the RCP, either Rosita's or Formula IQ has a wonderful cod liver oil, but you need more retinol in your body. And what's that going to do? It's going to improve your ceruloplasmin. It's going to improve your transferrin. It's going to improve your iron saturation. And the cascade effect is going to be epic in your body. So I, I think it's something, again, in an aging body, and we all have aging bodies, you want a good lubricant, and that's what retinol is. It's this unbelievably important nutritional component that's been completely swept under the rug. Nobody knows about it. Everyone's been trained. 
like circus bears, to focus on D and no mention of A. And that should be the first clue in the post-COVID era. We know that everything they were spooking us about has been a lie. We've got to flip the narrative. When they're telling us to get more D, we should pause and say, well, what, what is there more to the story? And that's what retinol is. Retinol is the other shoe that needs to be understood when it comes to nutritional supplementation and its impact to help regulate iron and to activate copper are legendary. It fills volumes of, of research studies, but no one knows that. All they know is you need more D. I have rosetas in my cabinet and I give it to my family and I don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now yeah. you know what to do. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this and it was a, it was a really good time for me to take this test because I've been at very, very bare minimum supplementation for a while now. It seems like in the summertime, when we go into summertime, which we're in winter now, but when we go in the summertime, I just, I kind of cut everything out because our schedule is different. Our routine's different. And for me, it's kind of a good time to cycle off maybe some things I'm doing. And for whatever reason, when we got back into school, which is our regular routine, I just didn't kind of pick up my normal routine, which often does include kind of cycling back and forth, some liver, some CLO, kind of alternating those. And I didn't, but so this is, this is great to have. You know why you didn't? Why? Because you're human. Because I'm lazy? <laughs> no, you're human. We, we're all guilty of it. Right. And we all get, we all get preoccupied. We all get stressed out. We all get distracted and we're reacting to the next shiny object. But what the, what the focus of the root cause protocol is, bring us back to the fundamentals mm -hmm. to get us the nutrients to energize our blueprint. There really is a blueprint. The body knows exactly what to do. The spleen knows exactly what to do when it has these nutrients, especially the copper, vitamin C, and retinol. Can't tell you how important those nutrients are for the spleen. And then the body comes right back into its its own. It knows exactly what to do. What are you thinking about like a desiccated spleen, you know, supplement, like in these organ supplements and such, right. like a spleen? What do you think about that? Well, that's a, I think it's a viable option. What I encourage people to do is either standard process has something called spleen PMG. And PMG is initials for protomorphogen. It helps to rebuild the spleen tissue more so than desiccated spleen. The, the downside to desiccated spleen is that there's a lot of iron in a typical spleen. Again, its, it's job is to recycle iron. So the spleen PMG is a wonderful product to give the nutrients that the spleen needs to perk up. Another company that, that, that does it is Doctors Research has a spleen PMG, something comparable to a spleen PMG. And then I was talking with a colleague yesterday, and he was mentioning that he uses astragalus, mm -hmm. A-S-T-R-A-G-A-L-U-S. And it's a wonderful herb for perking up the spleen. So what I think you would really enjoy is... Um, some focus on the spleen, the blood donation, return to your fundamentals, the RCP, 
the recuperate from formula IQ, I think would be really helpful for your body. And that copper is going to help to regulate the iron that's showing up in your blood work. Okay. That makes sense? Yes, absolutely. It makes tons of sense. This is this is so fascinating. It is it is this interplay between all of these different right. um vitamins and proteins and different things in the body. This this is what is missing, I you know, in so much of conventional medicine and even functional medicine. Well, this again, this doctor that I spoke to. She said, I had one hour of nutrition in medical school. The the 2021 graduating class from UNC Medical School just a couple of years ago, how much nutritional training do you think they got? The same, an hour? 35 minutes. That you is an abomination. You couldn't talk about macronutrients in 35. You couldn't tell the difference between <laughs> protein, carbohydrates and fat in 35 minutes. Seriously. Yeah, so that's where people may suspect that, but they don't know that. Doctors do not get training in nutrition. That's where all the problems are. The minerals and the vitamins and other you know, nutrients are not in the food, and therefore they're not in the body. And if they're not in the body, the body gets dysregulated and it expresses symptoms. It's not a disease. It's just metabolic dysfunction, flexing its muscles, saying, feed me. Mm. Wow. We've been trained to think of it as a disease and to get fearful of it. And when we go into a state of fear, what happens? We become a magnet for more iron. And then we just make the problem even worse. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Um, you know, last time when we recorded, as soon as we, you know, clicked off and and I pushed the stop recording button that we had kind of an interesting conversation on that side. Oh, I wish I was recording this because we were talking about fear. We were talking about it, the true presence of an evil force in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And would you speak to that? And yeah, you probably don't remember exactly what you said, but I'm sure it's what mm -hmm. you feel. So I'm sure it can come right back out. Yeah, I'm sure it will. So you're very familiar with the Bible. How many times does the phrase fear not appear in the Bible? Okay. Hundreds of times, several hundred times. I mean, there's different theories about how many times it is, but in any event, it's several hundred times. Fear not. That's really significant. So we spell the word fear differently within the RCP. It's F-E hyphen A-R. So we see the symbol for iron. And the word then becomes iron attracts rust. And for those who are familiar with the book that you assign in your in your program, Cure, C-U-R-E, copper regulates everything. What, what people don't realize is that copper is the general, iron's the foot soldier. There are fewer generals in the army. They have more stars, which are made of brass, which is made of copper. And so the copper general regulates the iron grunts. And we've been trained to venerate iron and to be afraid of copper. That is prima facie evidence of evil on this planet. And so 
when we are in a state of fear, let's go back to March of 2020. Everyone was in a global state of fear. Well, when you are in a state of fear, you become hypoxic. And when I use the word hypoxia, people immediately picture, oh, we're at the top of Mount Everest. There's The air is really thin up here. Well, that's one of five forms of hypoxia. It's called altitude hypoxia. There's a pathogenic hypoxia where the, the neutrophils are using oxygen as bullets to kill the pathogens. Then there's uh, nutritional hypoxia caused by a high fructose diet. There's functional hypoxia that's found in a lot of conditions that most people don't know about, but functional hypoxia is a clinical sign of low copper in the body. And then the fifth form of hypoxia is called emotional hypoxia. And when we get fearful, it triggers two hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. What is adrenaline? It's a very powerful hormone, as we know. Well, adrenaline, it's an injection system to get oxygen into the mitochondria. Well, who's carrying the oxygen? Iron. So adrenaline is forcing iron into the mitochondria at a rate that the body can't, can't process. And what is cortisol? Well, it, it too is a very powerful hormone. It's really trying to regulate potassium. But what happens is cortisol triggers the production of metallothionine. Cortisol increases the production of metallothionine four to five-fold. And what's metallothionine? Binding up copper a thousand times stronger than it binds up zinc. So when you go into a state of acute stress, you lose magnesium very quickly into your urine. You lose magnesium in the B vitamins. When the stress is chronic, like it was back in March, April, May, June of 2020, and many people are still back there, still afraid of what happened, but they're in a chronic state of fear. You've activated adrenaline. You've activated cortisol. Your copper is being bound up, and you can't make energy to respond to the stress of your environment. And that's the best definition of stress I've ever seen was by Mark Hyman, who said stress is the body's inability to make energy for the mind to respond to its environment. And when, we, when we're exposed to chronic stress, it affects these hormones, which affects our ability to activate oxygen, which affects our ability to liberate energy to respond to the stress. And many people are still in a very stressed out state about what we've been going through for the last four years. And I think, uh, again, as I've alluded, if I was a sinister agent, 
this is exactly what I'd want. I'd want humanity up against the ropes, thinking that iron is their friend, thinking that copper is a toxin, being told to drown themselves in vitamin D and not tell you that that's going to affect your vitamin A, which is going to affect your copper, which is going to affect your iron. And it's this cascade effect that people are not aware of. And for the for the uh, curious folks in your in your audience, uh, they can Google my name and the phrase three words: cure, faith, and fear. And I put together that video in March of 2020. And I think your listeners would find it very comforting to hear what I have to say about those three words. But what I've since done, what I've since come to realize since I did that video is I've turned the word faith into an acronym. So we know what cure stands for. We know what fear stands for. Well, faith isn't just having honor to our Lord and to ourselves for that matter. I turned it into something else. The word faith means food and information that heals. And people have been denied that faith because they pay attention to what the internet says and they pay attention to what their practitioner says or they pay attention to what their neighbor says and they don't know the truth of the matter. And that's what this conversation is trying to, to reveal to your community is that there's more to the story. And I, and I commend you for wanting to bring that forward so that more people can benefit from that. Absolutely. Because I mean, there's, you know, I'm a well-meaning practitioner. There's a lot of well-meaning practitioners right. that are, you know, going off the education that we've, we've been given, studying that we do. And, and so I think it is important to get this out here because it is still not known. It's still not well-known enough, you know, no. and I had no. some I had some replies like, well, I'm not sure I'm, you know, I'm not sure that I'm on board with that. Um, and in response to our last, you know, I'm, I'm used to that. And, yeah. I, and I think one of the, <laughs> one of the suggestions that I made early on uh, is that I think we should devote a, a session. I'm not sure whether you've got the logistics to do it, but make it um, either have your, your community ask their questions or have a real time ability to respond to questions. I've never met a question I didn't enjoy. And I want people to know that there's more to the story. What, what I, I'm not expecting 100% of people to go, wow, I had it wrong. He's so smart. And we're going to change, totally change a lot. No, what I really want, I want the public to know that there is more to the story. And I want them to make a more informed decision based on better information. If you choose to still drown yourself with vitamin D after you know what I know, that's your prerogative. I I respect you for your decision. But all too often, people are making decisions today based on the pablum coming out of the internet. And it's not designed for our well-being. It absolutely is not. And people know what they know but people do not know what they do not know. And trust me, there are a lot of people at the top making sure you don't know what you don't know. And I'm just trying to, you know, flick that 
dynamic and get people more information so you can make a better decision. You might need some secret service protection. <laughs> no, you, you know, you're one of many people who said that. I don't, you know, not going what I sleep very well at night. My my head hits the pillow. Boy, I'm out. I'm, and I'm I'm asleep for at least six to seven hours. I wake up refreshed. I'm ready to go. I don't worry about leaving the planet or translating or whatever. You know, I'm I'm on a mission. We've talked about that. I am on a mission. I feel inspired by God in this process. I, I can't explain how I've learned what I've learned without a providential uh, influence. And if my number's up, my number's up. But I but I know I will leave the planet a better place. And and I'm I'm satisfied with that. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to save the world, but I'm I'm trying to share uh, information that I think is well deserved, and people who are ready to hear it will find this message. And that's that's the most important part. Well, again, uh, same after our last conversation, I am incredibly grateful for the work that you do, and I'm here to receive it. And I know. I know the audience will be well listening. Sometimes it just, you have to hear it several times. Oh, I'm absolutely. hoping that what we did today will give people a, a more practical hands-on sense to what this looks like. I'm, I'm glad I could be the example. And, you know, interesting, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel bad. I feel, I'm sure. And I have a little more energy. I think we could all have a little more energy or I could anyway, have a little bit more, but overall, you know, I don't feel horrible, but I think it's those times where this kind of stuff is building and building and then wham, then you, you're facing something more serious because it's, you know, it's growing, it's happening. Your your brick wall, if left unchecked, if you did made no, no other changes, your brick wall will be two to three years after you go into menopause. Mm, wow. Okay. And so it, it's not going to happen like that. But what you want to do is there, there are signs of smoke in your blood work. Mm-hmm. You want to get to the fire, put the fire out, clear the exhaust, and go about your life. Because you've you've got teenagers now. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get more exciting when they get older. <laughs> and then you're going to have other distractions. And the and the worries of the farm are not going to go away. And and your parents are not going to get any younger, are they? Right. And right. so that so the stress is not going to stop. But what you want to do is make sure that you're diverting your energy to solving your stress, not getting distracted with the oxidative stress in your body. That's the catch, is if the oxygen isn't being turned into water to release energy, if that oxygen is being distracted because it's becoming hydrogen peroxide, superoxide, a hydroxyl radical, peroxynitrate, these are the boogeymen of our metabolism. Well, if the oxygen is becoming those boogeymen, you can't make energy. It's that simple. And no one's ever put it that way that it's an either or. If you're not making energy, you're making exhaust. And and again, I'm not sure I would have designed the body this way, but copper is essential to make energy and to clear exhaust. So maybe we should focus on copper and stop worrying about iron. <laughs> and speaking of, call me crazy. I think copper is the it's the unsung hero of our metabolism, and people have been taught to fear it. 
Right. And speaking of distraction, you know, putting, you know, look at cholesterol, look at COVID, look at vitamin D, you know, so many distractions that we look at. And then, you know, looking at these, these kind of these symptoms that we're trying to kind of whack-a-mole, you know, things and instead of really looking to the root cause, there you go, root cause. So very just fascinating information. I just absolutely eat this stuff up. And so I have a much greater appreciation for copper, for the spleen, all kinds of stuff I'm grateful for today. And I'm most definitely grateful for you and for your willingness to come back and do this for me and your offer to come back again. I would love to set that up down the road, get some um, questions from the audience. And if I can figure out a way where we could do it in a a live Q and a format, that would be be fantastic. Yeah. Again, I want I want your community to feel comfortable to challenge what I have to say or to push back because that's when they will really listen and learn. Don't just don't because I said it, drop what you know and go on. If you're if you are troubled by it, if it if it doesn't jive, let's go through the process of taking the bridge from where you know it and where I know it and see what you can learn along the way. Sounds like a good plan. So that invitation is open, everybody. You, If you have questions after you listen to this, uh, send them to me. We'll compile them and then we'll right. figure out a way to uh, do a Q&A with Morley, whether it's just you and I or if I can get everybody on. Okay. That would be, That'd that be, would be wonderful. That'd be great. Well, I thank you for your time, truly. Absolutely. I'm so grateful. You're so generous with your information, with your time. And I'm going to give blood and I'm going to take, get the CLO out of my cabinet and start taking <laughs> and look into a few of these other, others that you recommended. And, and so that will be interesting too. And maybe down the road, I'll do a uh, follow-up with one of these. Exactly. And just see, I, see what I notice, see how I feel. And and plan to do that blood donation before the end of the year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sir. <laughs> and then maybe end of March would be a time to do another blood test. And we can come back and talk about that as well. I mean, it's just... Again, I think you have a unique community and um, there's a ripple effect that will come from these conversations. And that's that's what I'm all about is I don't know which ripple is going to be the one to finally tip the scale. Mm-hmm. And so I have hundreds of these conversations and, um, you know, eventually one of these days <laughs> it might become more accepted, but it's like, I don't worry about that. I know that the people who need to hear it will hear it. How do I know that? Because I get people, I get calls from people all over the world thanking me for saving their life. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm, I'm glad it helped. And uh, I'm just trying to do my part. Mm-hmm. Doing what God calls you to do. That's right. And that's what we're all here about. And, and, you know, doing what we're called to do, but also feeling well enough so that we can do what we are called Absolutely. to do. And that's really my bottom line is that I want people to feel well so that they can live their purpose, whatever that may be. So to build on that, my purpose in life, this mission that I'm on, my purpose in life is to help people overcome their physical issues so they can get on with their purpose in life. We're all here for a mission. And when you're worrying about cancer, or you're worrying about fatigue, or you're worrying about heart disease, or neurodegeneration, or whatever it might be, you lose sight of your mission, your purpose. And that's why we're here. Exactly. 
Exactly. That is exactly what we're doing here. Okay. All right. We will wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Morley. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks again for the opportunity. Okay. Thanks everybody for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.